0: This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures! Uh, half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy! <laughs> <sighs> Kia ora, and welcome to episode 111 of the Half Podcast. 111 is also the emergency number here in New Zealand. Don't dial it unless it's a real emergency. Paul, how are you doing?
1: Kia ora, Dan. Uh, yeah, don't dial it unless it's an emergency. 111 is also Bill by Baggins' birthday in Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? 100, 111th birthday or something.
0: What a birthday. What a party, you know. you got the whole shire coming along. You're not really about the shire, but you still have a party. Fireworks. things to do. Yeah. Oh, what? Imagine having fireworks like that. That'd be pretty cool. The dragon, have a wizard turn up. See the tangent? We can go down
1: straight away. We can turn a podcast number into a movie tangent. Now, now I want to rewatch that scene because I always remember being spellbound by those fireworks.
0: There's a great quote in there, isn't there, around Bilbo liking half as much of the people as they yeah. deserve or something. <laughs> I've always appreciated that quote the most because it's it just rings so true for me.
1: <laughs> half of them don't like me as much as they deserve i don't like half of so, them it's, it's great yeah it is great something like that we should something we should like we should remember that better it's a classic half measure start to the podcast then
0: well paul it's uh daylight savings um has just ended here in new zealand mm. we are coming into darker nights uh the the winter is coming
1: I was just going to say, as as one of your favourite TV shows says, winter is coming, and it's really messing with me. I'm like feeling tired so early, and I'm just feeling all out of sorts. So I'm not. I feel like I'm not watching as much in the evening as I normally do.
0: It's so funny, isn't it? Because obviously the clocks go back, and. In my mind, I like to think the clocks go back, I wake up at the same time, but I've actually got an extra hour of snoozing. Mm. But it hasn't felt like that for me this year. Like I've been tired earlier, I've been getting up like at the same time, my hunger cycle's all out of whack. I don't know, boy, I think I'm getting old.
1: It's Oh, 100%, that's what it is, right? I mean, the lights, just, I'm just moaning about it now. I'm like, why do we have to change the clocks? Why should we change it? We just, why can't we just stay as we were? It's classic old person talk.
0: Mm -hmm. we'll see in the states they're looking or they just passed some legislation to no longer have daylight savings to sort of like keep it fixed at the same time for health and well-being purposes
1: it's amazing isn't it what you because some countries even have it on the half hour as well which is seems i mean i don't want to offend those countries but it seems quite crazy to me to think about having it on the half hour but um yeah it's i love the fact that you can just decide to change it so we could theoretically change to go two hours if we wanted It's amazing.
0: I just can't even imagine how how that would even get through. But anyway, um, Paul, age-old tradition, what have you been watching?
1: Well, Dan, I'm really excited to say I've continued my Mission Impossible journey. I've got two more Mission Impossible movies under my belt to talk about this week, uh, Mission Impossible 3, and then the fourth movie, Ghost Protocol. So the third movie, um, which is 2006, directed by J.J. Abrams, I cannot even begin to describe to you what a step up it is from the second movie for me. And I think I always come into watching this movie with such a great memory of it because of how far ahead of number two it is to me. The the J.J. The Abrams direction, he's really, you know, at this point in 2006, he's really hitting his stride. This is before he's gone into do Star Trek or Star Wars or anything, but he's just, just already showing how superb a director he is uh it's a got a great tense start to this movie it's one of those ones where it starts you off in the middle of a really tense scene and then you go back and sort of work out how we got to that point i always like that approach um great opening credits the movie always makes me a little sad philip seymour hoffman in this movie it's i mean it's just such a tragedy he just was such a talent and in this movie he 'Cause you know last week I was talking about I've already forgotten the name of the guy as the villain just wasn't up to the standard. Philip Seymour Hoffman is absolutely superb as the villain here. He not only is it a great round all round performance, but he's he's truly the measure of Ethan Hunt and the IMF. And it's you don't get that in the first two movies. But in this movie you're like, actually these guys aren't top of the shop, top of their game. This this is someone who knows who knows more than them. And it's it's a fantastic watch, this one.
0: It's. I'm I'm really intrigued. You you've piqued my interest. Uh, once again, Paul, that I probably should be watching these movies alongside you. Like, it's just given me such sort of throwback memories. And my my actual memory of what happens in each of these movies is is pretty pretty light, to be honest.
1: Oh, that's the greatest way to come into a rewatch because um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be like that by the time I get to, uh, five and six, but yeah, one two three four i all of these rewatches have felt quite familiar you know as for any other movie franchise that you may watch a lot this for me is it's it's familiar territory so it's sort of it's just it's just reminiscing in, in many respects but uh there are there are a lot of things about this movie that, that just just step it up. I keep using that expression, but the casting as well, just quality of the casting. They bring in Maggie Q, they bring in Simon Pegg, and of course Simon Pegg goes on to have more roles in the future movies as well. Lawrence Fishburne is absolutely superb, and Michelle Monaghan as as Julia, uh, just perfect casting. She's so believable. She has a a chemistry on screen with Tom Cruise, which just works really well. It's it's, um, you know, as I'm going, I'm ranking these movies and yeah, this one straight away goes for now, top of the pile. It's, it's fantastic.
0: It's interesting. Just looking, I was just having quickly watching the the trailer in the background and it looks like the, the quality um, of this movie really is there. And, you know, like we've talked about this or some, you know, movies that are sometimes around the, you know, late nineties, early 2000s, sometimes can be a bit hit and miss, but just even looking at the trailer, it still looks very solid.
1: No, you're absolutely bang on there. And it, it, makes me start thinking because you and i've watched a lot of movies in that 99 2000 sort of era and we've talked about just as i did with the james bond movies that were around that time suddenly you just go to 2005 2006 and things just look and feel modern they just feel more smooth and classy and i just wonder you know, if we fast forward another decade or, or fifteen, are we going to be having the same problem with with this movie, with Casino Royale, with I mean, I don't think we are. I just don't think we are. But it's it's just interesting that we keep picking up on that early two thousand, late nineties as being just starting to age a bit. So, uh, so this one, yeah, this one's aged absolutely superbly. As too has the the next one, uh, which is twenty eleven. Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. So there's, there's quite a bit of time in between each movie, which I think I kind of lost sight of. So you've got, you know, 96, 2000, 2006, 2011. You know, they're not doing them every, well, not at the moment anyway, they're not doing them every two years. They're really putting five or six years between. And this one is... This one is just... They just ramp the stunts up. Something chronic in this one. This is the one where the um, IMF is shut down. Uh, we I mean, talk about timing with what's going on in the world, but there's the bombing of the, the Kremlin, the explosion of the Kremlin. And yeah, then hence the name Ghost Protocol. They have to go rogue under the radar to try and actually clear their own name. This this movie, I, I've used this with other franchises, but I, I can't help myself. It is just... An absolute roller coaster, emotional ride, and just so much energy.
0: It's interesting, um, the term ghost protocol. I don't know whether you, you've you noticed, Paul, but ghost protocol is a word that I use quite regularly in my sort yes. of, when I'm talking about things like let's go ghost protocol. And but I never think about it in the context of Mission Impossible, and even now, like it's I, I need to rewatch, It's it's been too long. I just, um I think I'm gonna to have to go back to the start like like you've done, because I think I want the the context of the wider story. Yeah. And I'm intrigued in sort of what your thoughts are around is this is the story like I know the core sort of Ethan Hunt story continues, but is it sort of a, a, a continuous story or are they kind of like fresh takes you think each time?
1: No, hundred percent continuous. And as I've said with other rewatches of other series, um you just get so much more from watching it in one go. There are things that happen in in th- in three and four in particular, and I already remember that because it comes up again in six, that are just so intertwined that because of the number of years between movies, unless, you know, like us, who always take that full measure when it comes to rewatches, unless you've gone back and watched it, you could go into these movies and not understand, uh well, that sounds a bit, you know what I mean, You'd not fully appreciate what's being presented to you because you don't, you know, you haven't got that backstory. So 100%, these are really, really well linked together.
0: Awesome. And so where is Ghost Protocol ranking for you out of the other three?
1: Yeah, so this one would go now top of the pile again. So this this is one of those rare series, and I'm going to test this as I get next week to five and six, where I feel it essentially gets better with each movie with the obvious exception of number two, but the rest of it, I just, I have a memory of that being the feeling I was, I was going to be really curious to test that. And so far it is that way. This one just, as I say, just the, 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 the nature of the stunts just gets bigger and that doesn't always translate into it's a better movie, but with mission impossible, it seems to, they do other little things that just really appeal to me. So like, um, at the start of the movie, um, Ethan Hunt, he's walking down a a tunnel and he just turns to the camera behind him and says, light the fuse. And the music kicks in. And it may sound a bit cheesy, but it's just, it's classic. Mission Impossible is iconic. The theme music is as well. And it's moments like that where you just know you're in the middle of a great, fun popcorn. The whole audience is having a great time. They've got other cast that come in that really bump this one up. So you've got uh, Paula Patton, Lea do uh, Jeremy Renner comes in. Lea do this is the first I'd ever seen of her, you know, before she did the two the two Bond movies. Um and yeah, they're just at the top of their game. They're, you know, they're confident after four movies, it's all very natural. They also use, and I'm really going to be talking to a very few people who might get what I mean, but I'm gonna say anyway, they also use the incidental music from the original 60s tv series really well in this movie and it's just a really subtle nod to the old 60s show so if you're a fan of that you'll definitely pick up on it with this brad bird directs this one and you know when you when you think of brad bird well i you know you just think about the incredibles the iron giants um a lot of you know a lot of animated movies but he was just absolutely superb with this one
0: I think, to the other thing, you know, like love him or hate him, I think you've really got to give a shout-out to Tom Cruise and his sort of commitment to doing his own stunts, and I think yeah. that always does something quite special for these sorts of movies. The His commitment to that is, is second to none, really. No half measures taken.
1: No. Oh, i and good call, because that's really uh, poor of me not to even mention him when it's all of, you know, he's the star of these movies. He he does, for me, get better with each movie. He's His maturity, his ageing, uh adds add something to his performance i think compared to how he was in the first one with that sort of maverick vibe um and yeah it's the one the only criticism i would give of this fourth movie so this is the one if you recall or maybe some people don't but it involves the filming in dubai's um Burj Khalifa. They almost overplay that, so it's kind of like we've got this building, we're doing it, and so we want to make a big deal of it. They almost overplay it a little bit. Hey, that's really picking holes. Um,
0: yeah, Look, you've you've picked my interest. Um, I'm I'm just sort of doing some some mental um, math. Like, could I watch like <laughs> six of these movies to catch up to talk about them next week with you? Don't know if that's possible, but you know, never say never.
1: Never say never. If you've got some time off work coming up, you know, maybe there's some time for you to, you know, it could be a good thing to watch over, over, over a few evenings or something, perhaps.
0: Maybe. Good chat. Good chat. I'm, I'm really digging these rewatches. I think it's a, uh, it's kind of an, an, I feel like a new thing we're bringing the pod, like just kind of going back and watching these series or sort of sagas of different movies. And it's, it's fun.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's absolutely fun. It's, and both of these as with the other two available on Netflix my next watch dan i'm coming in with four things this week it's extraordinary for me i promised it i've delivered a quiet place part two so this is the the second movie this was actually the movie that you brought to the podcast and actually talked about that was the one that you know really got me interested this movie if you've seen the first one you know it picks right up um you know with the second one and it doesn't waste any time in getting straight into the action this movie is terrifying it is in a in a great way it's it's really makes you jump john krasinski is directing john krasinski is writing and obviously there are events in his in the first movie um that means we don't see too much of him in this one uh it is just such a great little series and i've seen a poster for the third one so i can't wait to see that this one um that there's new terrors sort of facing them. They think they found a safe place. Then something else happens. And I don't know, it's something about the silence of this movie that just really obviously because it's a quiet place, but it's just something about that silence just adds so much to the enjoyment of this this movie.
0: It's interesting, right? Because coming into part two, I remember being like a little bit apprehensive that, you know, knowing that John was gonna have a, a slightly sort of smaller role in this one. But I really appreciated the way that this movie not only propelled the story forward, but I also sort of went back and actually gave you a little bit more context and actually um gave the audience a little bit of um a little bit more, more John in it because I think, you know, John slash Jim from the office is he's that guy. And um it's not that the the rest of the cast can't, you know, do the movie. It just it feels like it's like he's such a sort of a a core part of it. But I think the biggest thing for me that I really enjoyed uh, with the second movie, it's not only another stellar Emily Blunt performance, but I really enjoyed Cillian Murphy's character as well, and just, you know, how yeah. he sort of brought a whole other dynamic to it. And he's just such a fantastic actor. And I think what a, another great person kind of introduced to this wider terrifying universe.
1: No, you're right. And it's um, his character, without trying to do spoilers, there's something that happens towards the end of the movie, and you start thinking, is he going to make it? Because you know this this franchise will will take anyone out, you know. And so you start thinking, oh, is he going to make it? And you really want him to. And that tells you something about how you're connected to the character that he's portraying. The bit you touched on then uh, around how it sort of goes goes back in time and it shows you the origin of how this thing starts, It sort of starts off in everyday life. You know, they're at a they're at a baseball game or something, and they're sort of you know he's gone to get hot dogs or whatever, and it, you know it's just normal to life. That was one of my favourite parts of the movie. It was also one of the things that frustrated me the most. And the reason for that was it just, it it went there. But for me, it didn't quite do enough of the origin story. It was a real bit of a tease on, oh, here's the origin. And, you know, these things, you know, you see something up in the sky and these things appear. But I just, I would have just liked even more. And I think this is a problem that I have that I just need to understand how, Gilead took over America in the Handmaid's Tale. I need to understand how we get from A to B to C. I, you know, I'm like the George Lucas. I need you to explain to me the Metaclorian so I understand the Force. It's like I, I need to know too much, and it's a problem I have. But it was, it was great to see it go back in time.
0: It's interesting there because I'm almost in the other camp where. I actually didn't even really necessarily need that backstory, though it was great. I kind of just sort of was willing to accept that there was these weird alien creatures on earth and it's kind of just destroying everyone. Um and I think that's always the danger, right? If you go back and give people something, like, you know what is sort of the limit of, of what that's gonna be. And I wonder whether what well, actually we might actually you might get some of those answers in a Quiet Place Three. Mm. And I know that there's also talk of a, a Quiet Place TV show. So there's obviously sort of the the expanded universe of A Quiet Place. And there's a whole bunch of probably different stories to be told.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really exciting to hear there's a TV show as well. Um, It's interesting, yeah, because there's so much here for such a simple premise. And, you know, I really do have to give a shout out, again, John Krasinski, not only directing, but also writing. You know, he's really showing his, you know, his full potential. And it just, I just, already love him from the office and now i can't wait for him to return as as jack ryan for another season
0: you're so right. Paul, it's such a, a big, a big dog energy move when you're the writer, the star, the director. Like I just imagine you're kind of like you're in the scene. You're running back to look behind the camera. You're back in the scene. You're then cutting your scenes. You're then probably doing like retakes. Like it must take a lot of energy to kind of wear all three hats.
1: Exactly. And before this, he'd only done like a couple of episodes of TV. Now he's done. He did the screenplay for the first. He wrote the second. And now he's he's written the third as well. So um, he strikes me as someone who's uh, making his map, because yeah, he's only a young guy, right?
0: Just a, a couple of episodes of TV, just like nine casual seasons or of The Office, but,
1: you know. No, 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 writing. Oh, writing, okay,
0: okay. okay. I was like, well, <laughs> all right, all right, stand down.
1: No, writing, yeah, he's only done a couple okay, of writing. Okay. And approved. A, approved, okay, good. I feel like I'm talking a lot, Dan, but I still have more to talk about, and I have to talk about this, because... I've been excited to to finish it and bring it to the podcast, and that is the sixth season of Shetland. Uh, so this is a this is a a series that started way back in 2013. It follows um, Detective Inspector Jimmy Perez and his team uh, within the, this very close knit community on the uh, the island of uh, Shetland. And look, as someone who's, who watches, obviously, a lot of British cop shows what I can say straight away to give it give it context and and prestige is this is genuinely top five for me that's how strong and you know if you think about all the series that's 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 a you know this is a big dog as you just said this is a big dog of a series this this is right up there
0: when you say top five just to clarify are you talking overall all seasons or are you talking this particular season
1: oh as an overall this was a strong season but as an overall you know, I'm putting it up there with your line of duty, with your Sherlock, with your Luther, with your Happy Valley. It's it's in that league. So, Ooh, so you've real. Oh, Paul, you're you, you're saying all the right words. And i yeah, I'm, I I do this all the time. I overhype things, but you know, it gets a lot of positive reviews. I can see it's eight point three out of ten on IMDb. And um, again, cliche or not, it is just that top notch writing, top notch casting, and. Yeah, after this was a two-year wait as well. Um, I think mainly because of COVID um, f- between season five and six, so season six arriving, and I didn't check before we started recording, but I presume arrogantly that they'll make a seventh. Yeah, I can see they've got a seven listed in there. So it's just it's just one of those shows that just continues to deliver the the. If, if you're already a, a fan of this and if you're already five seasons eight, you are already 5 seasons deep, you do not need to listen to anything else I've got to say because you, you're already part of the community and that's what it is. There's something about Shetland that you feel like it's it's cosy, you become part of this small local community, you feel like you know all the main players, you know the island or you feel like you do and you, can, you just can't wait to see Jimmy Perez and his team methodically get to the bottom of things and this season is good because there are twists and shocks along the way. Um, they also bring back characters from previous seasons, characters which you sort of loathed as well, and then they present a view of them now that make you maybe feel differently about them. I I can't put my finger on it. The accent, though, the accent is just so uh, it's addictive. There's there's this this there's, 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 there's Scottish accents, but then there's there's something about the Shetland um, series that just brings something. Douglas Henshaw as Jimmy Perez is just so so believable, so so natural. Um Mac Bonner as Duncan uh Alison O'Donnell as Tosh just just people now that if I see these names appear in other things I will I will go and I will watch it um based on the strength of them in this. So um yeah just absolutely Super. This season, I didn't like the B's, uh, the B story, as much as the A story. But beyond that, Dan, there's absolutely nothing here that I can complain about. It's just, it's, it's my go-to. It's my bread and butter.
0: I've got to be honest. You had me at uh, top five, Happy Valley, <laughs> Line of Duty. Like, well, I don't know why I'm not checking this out. Like, this this feels like it should be right up my alley. And interesting, just sort of like flicking through IMDb. Like, season one's only two episodes, season two four episodes. So, I imagine quite a sort of achievable watch to sort of binge.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So it's um it's actually available to watch on Vibe on sky tv here in new zealand which is um something that we don't normally you know i I can't i'll I'll be honest with you; i don't think i've watched that channel before i simply sort it out because it was previously on on netflix um i was just looking i provided my sister-in-law in in fact with a list of she said oh which british cop dramas do you recommend and of course being me, I gave rather than just saying here's three or four, I gave it like twenty-five and and ranked them as best I could on the fly and I'd even at that point put it in fifth alongside Hinterland, another one I recommend. But uh yeah.
0: I see that Shetland seasons one to three are currently available on Netflix as yeah, well. Yeah, so which that's is quite good.
1: yeah, I think that's so that's a really good place to start because obviously Netflix is, is very accessible and I think you'll know after a season if it's for you or not. Certainly after two you would um
0: how the question for you, how does a simpleton like myself watch Vibe in New Zealand? Like do I have to be part of Sky? Like how do I Yeah, so
1: I- it's a Sky TV subscription. Uh there are various packages you can go through. Um or if if maybe you're at someone's house who has Sky TV, you might say, Hey, should we watch Shetland? So this is how yeah, it, I like this it. is how it actually occurred we were actually at my um my in-laws my um, mother and father-in-laws and they have access to the to the sky tv and so we we were like oh do you watch Shetland's? yes we do and away we went
0: in my mind Paul, this is what happens you walk in the door you like pop the kettle on and then you pick up the remote and you're like all right everyone quiet we're all doing fine and you pop on an episode of shetland
1: it's <laughs> like yeah, so get the kids to bed but it's three o'clock they're tired <laughs>
0: Yeah. If you're tired, you can jog on too, mate. All right, let's go.
1: (laughs) No, very fortunate that my in-laws both both really enjoy the show as well. So it was it was great to be able to watch that with them. That actually is all I've got, Dan. So I think it's well and truly time that I pass the talking stick to you.
0: You have been a busy boy, Paul. Like I don't know how uh, a young Paul can now fits all of this into his busy schedule, but I'm I'm very proud of you.
1: I I feel that you've called me young. What have you been watching, Dan?
0: I've only got a couple of TV shows for you this week. So uh, one, I feel like I've kind of talked about to death, but we've watched the latest season of Ozark. So this is season four, uh, part A, I think they call it. Mm -hmm. So this is the uh, first seven episodes and then the, the final seven episodes come out on the 29th of April. So I feel like I've really kind of hit that sweet spot of like I get to have a little bit of a break uh, before we come in for the final seven episodes, and I, this so is I kind of feel like I'm saying the same thing again, but I'm still absolutely in love with this show. I'm in love with all the characters, the tension, the drama, the stress is really ramping up. Um, it's it's just such a. a a cool show for Netflix. And, you know, like I said last week, it kind of reminds me of a little bit of sort of Breaking Bad, Medical Soul, particularly because it's got the, you know, it's all about money laundering, it's got the cartel involved, there's the FBI, there's Double Crossing, there's people getting in everyone's business. Like it's, it's just such a good watch. And, you know, I sort of mentioned last week that season three was probably my favourite. Mm. I think it still is, but in saying that, the final sort of two episodes of season four part A – just cranked up so high and then I was watching the trailer for the the final episodes coming out and, and Drupal I'm so excited I'm, I'm almost more excited than I am for the latest season of Better Soul, and I only say that because it's been I probably don't truly believe it but it's been it's been a while since I've seen Better Soul, so I'm really hyped up to watch this.
1: Can you make a note to the editor just to cut that last bit out because that's essentially sacrilege on the podcast I, I I see what you mean though the the ratings of those last two episodes even online, look like they've gone through the roof. When you see a show coming in at 9.4 for an episode, it's it's it tells you that things have, have really ramped up. And, um, yeah, you've been talking this one up for some time. Uh, I think I've said it to you before, everything about it points to being superb. Jason Bateman in a serious role, I believe it. Uh, so you've got, so 29th of April, this is back.
0: 20, 29th for the final episode. And look, I'm I'm... I do need to retract this. Out. I'm sure it's not as as good as Biblical Soul, but I I think because it's just it's so fresh in my memory. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. if I went back and rewatched Biblical Soul, it probably would still be my number one. But it is honestly such a good watch, and I'm so glad that because I know like for a Netflix series, I know there's real big fans of this show, but I also know like a lot of people have never watched it or never given it a go. So I am delighted that um this has sort of got to tell its full story because there seems to be so many things on netflix that they just get their first season then they get they get cut so it's awesome that this has sort of gone the distance
1: and is season four likely to be the finale it is the
0: finale. it is it is the end so that's so
1: that's what you're saying there is if you're interested maybe wait another three weeks and just watch the whole thing. And, and you know, could you imagine binging it? Like we do, we talk about Yellowstone, how, how great it is to come in for a binge.
0: Well, there's the thing like you could probably start the show now when you'd probably be perfectly set up for then the 29th of April. Mm. Like you've got, you've got Easter yeah, coming true, up. True. Um, just get amongst it. Uh, I think it's, yeah, that's, it's such a enjoyable watch. And, I think it is a show that, like, you know, you do need to give it a couple of episodes to kind of get into it, and I think once you do, you're, you are really are in for a, a treat. Awesome. All right. So yeah, it's kind of, a, it's a hard one to talk about because I feel like I've kind of talked about the premise so much and without sort of going into spoilers. So
1: it's hard when you can't yeah. talk spoilers, right?
0: Indeed. Indeed. So the next show I'm going to talk about, which is a, another Netflix TV show, is I'm going to talk about, um, the latest season of Top Boy. So you talk about, uh, top, top British TV shows. This is definitely in my top five as well, Paul. And I can't quite recall. Are you, are you a Top Boy fan?
1: I haven't seen it. I do recall you talking about it fondly the last time you brought it to the table, though.
0: Mm. Now, I need to sort of talk about Top Boy and the awkward season numbering that is going on before I sort of get too, too deep into it. So on Netflix, this is Top Boy season two on imdb this is top boy season four and it's quite sort of like confusing if you sort of go around looking for information but basically what the deal is uh and this is sort of a a real rough telling of the story so when top boy first came out in roughly 2011 uh had two seasons i think and i think it got cancelled or they just sort of like wound up or whatever reason drake the rapper big fan of top boy Injected some cash, injected some peas into it, as they may say, and uh, peas for pounds, Paul. Oh, right pounds. Right, yeah. I'm with you. <clears throat> and basically, you know, like it, it, kind of kicked back off into gear. So they, they kind of, I wouldn't say um, rebooted it, but kind of, it was a a new entry point. And I think a lot of people might have just come in at the at the more modern Top Boy. And so there's this weird thing where. Netflix, and I don't know whether it's maybe done on other networks, have relabeled the original Top Boy as Top Boy Summer House, and they just call this Top Boy Top Boy. So in some places you'll see this season one and two. In mm. some places you might see this as season three and four, for example.
1: I see what you mean. So you've got 2011, then it's 2013, then there's that big jump to 2019, and now you've got your latest, um, your fourth season, 2022.
0: And even weirdly so on Netflix. If you, if you go into Top Boy, like – Top Boy Summer House isn't listed in the seasons. It's a, its own se- separate category, much like, you know, they did the weird thing with, uh, I think, He-Man or Transformers or something. That's right. we should be comparing those shows with Top Boy because they're very different genres. But uh, there is some confusing um, sort of categorization of, of these shows. Nevertheless, so what I'm talking about here here <laughs> is Top Boy season two on Netflix or Top Boy season four uh on if you're all up to date with your top boy honestly paul this is such a fantastic tv show like when i saw when i saw this latest season with that i was so excited and i binged the hell out of this so this is basically about um two london drug dealers who, who ply their lucrative trade at a public housing estate in east london uh, called summer house and it's like it's it's drama rich it's uh it's, intense, it's has sort of extreme violence at times it's sort of this gang warfare it's there's just so much going on and what's kind of interesting about this whole series is it starts kind of kind of small time right like it's very sort of focused on the um summer house estate and and dealing drugs there and it kind of by the time we get into the latest season of top boy it's grown into this huge drug empire they're importing drugs from spain there's double crossing there's um, people trying to sort of move out of the out of the sort of the drug game to sort of like grow their wider criminal empire. It's just such a honestly fantastic watch. I think if you are if you're kind of down with this this type of vibe and you're okay with the the drug dealing and some of the things that come along with it, this is definitely an awesome show to watch.
1: It's incredible that it was Drake being a fan of the show coming along and. I was expecting to be injecting the Ds, you know, the dollars, not the pounds, given he's Canadian, but I'm, I'm following you with the Ps now. And I just love that if you've got someone who's a super fan and they're rich and they're like, I want more of that here, here's some cash, what a great position to be in. Because, you know, I could have saved Star Trek Enterprise. I could have saved Capricorn. There's a number of shows we could have saved if we were in Drake's position.
0: I just want to go back, Paul, to you just said and just inject in the Ds and <laughs> show. <laughs>
1: The C D, the Canadian dollars, is where oh, I'm the, going.
0: Oh, the C D, the Canadian yeah, dollars. Gotcha, gotcha. Well. Yeah. So in the show, like they're all talking about peas, they're talking about bruv. They're talking, like this. The slang in here is absolutely fantastic. I've been walking around the house all week, like calling Samara Brav. bruv. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's it, yeah. it's it's good. It, this is such a good TV show, and you know that I'm all about a rewatch after finishing this season. I instantly felt like I wanted to go back and watch this whole whole lot again. Watch those two seasons of Summer House. Watch the later seasons of Top Boy again. And this is a show where they're doing one final season, which I think will probably come out maybe later this year or uh, maybe 23. I think it had a few delays for COVID, but... Honestly, such a good story. If you love your UK dramas, this is definitely one to get on the list.
1: What I want to know, Dan, is this is about two London drug dealers. Who is the top boy? Who's top? Look, Paul,
0: it's like the salt and pepper. It's not on the table.
1: <laughs> I see it's written by um, Ronan Bennett, and I thought, I don't know that name, but I clicked on him. He's the guy who wrote Public Enemies, and I thought that was a terrific movie. So there's some definite writing credentials behind this as well. Where am I finding this one, Dan? Um...
0: You, can find, well, you can find this on Netflix. And so even just the whole sort of concept of top boy, right? Like, So top boy, like top boy of the estate, the top boy in charge of, of all the drugs. Like, you want to be the top boy? hot boy Paul, you know, there's a there's a lot of rings you've got to go through. Of you, you gotta do. be a henchman, you gotta be you know, there's so there's so much stuff. So I think if you know you're raving to be about um about Shetland, I'm raving to you about this. I think this is definitely one for you to jump on as well.
1: There's a there's a definite edge to this and 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 Ozark as well. There's a definite there's a there's a you know there's an edge and I you know that's something that maybe isn't there with a show like Shetland so maybe this could be a, a change of gear for me. It could be good.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, you've, you've kind of got the choice to make, like you can go back to the older content. Um, And it was actually, uh, um, it was recommended to me by a a mutual friend of ours a long time ago. And I, I wasn't sure about it because it was sort of quite, you know, quite old at the time, but I think definitely sort of going on that longer journey is definitely worth it. But, you know, if you're short for time, you can just jump into the more modern top boy and you'll still have a fantastic time.
1: All right, Dan, what else you got for me?
0: That, Paul, is all I've got. Shall we jump on over to the movie of the week?
1: Indeed. So every weekend we announce in our Discord community which movie we will be watching for our movie of the week feature the following week. And this week, uh, then we have gone with 2016 movie Catfight.
0: Interesting one this week, Paul. So this is about the rivalry between two former college friends uh, when it comes head-to-head when they both attend the same glamorous event. So it's got a bit of a, an interesting cast. It's got Sandra Oh, who you know you and I love from particularly Killing Eve. Mm. Uh, Anne Hesch, haven't seen her for a million years. I feel like since, what, Dante's Peak or something. Six Days, Seven
1: Nights was the last time I saw her, I think.
0: <laughs> it's even got Alicia Silverstone, which, to be honest, that when you put up this movie, I saw her name and I was like... No questions asked. Alicia Silverstone, former crush of Daniel Whiting's, particularly when she was a Batgirl. <laughs> so, um, oh, and, and clueless. You know, if you're going to go way back into the right, 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 into the archives, it's
1: it's interesting because when I when we sort of you know looked at the movies and put this one up, I had looked at this and just I'd seen a little bit of the trailer and of course the poster and just presumed it was just going to be in an, and of course it's got deliciously funny across the you know the banner i just thought oh, this is an ad and ad comedy and i'm like well you know every now and then you just can't go wrong with a, a good comedy and i love i love a bit of you know when people don't get along that's one of my favorite things i you know experience it a lot and it's it's funny to watch and so i came into this thinking this is going to be fun but it's that mix of comedy and drama that makes this this comedy if you like this makes it a very different kettle of fish and we've talked about this before we've talked about it when it works well like with a we watch breeders which does a little bit of you know dark comedy and and then we've talked about it when it doesn't work so well and i always think of the movie downhill with julia lewis dreyfus and will ferrell which i seem to recall you deliberately sort of left alone because you knew that it was going to have that comedy drama vibe and How did the comedy-drama vibe set for you with this one?
0: I would say I don't even know if I'd use the word comedy in this this movie Um, because I kind of thought the same thing. I looked at the poster and I thought, you know what, this looks kind of quirky, a little bit odd, you know, could do with a bit of a laugh. And I, to be honest, came into it waiting for the laugh and I never really got it. And I think, you know, we probably need to talk a little bit about the – the loose plot of this movie. And so basically almost like the joke in this movie is it kind, of remi- it kind of reminds me, to be honest, of the the family guy skit where Peter is always fighting the chicken and it just sort of goes on relentlessly. Like when he sees the chicken, the fight breaks out. The dislike between these two characters, between um, Sandro and and Heisha's character, they basically keep getting into these super aggressive, super violent fights. And as a result of these fights, Dramatic things happen in their lives and sort of the the every time a fight happens, the movie kind of jumps forward a couple of years. And what's kind of weird for me about this movie, Paul, is watching it, to be honest, I wasn't really enjoying it. And I keep wanting to enjoy it. And then by the time it got to the end, I was kind of like, thank God that's over. But I want to sort of premise that with it's actually been a movie that's kind of weirdly sat with me over the week that I've watched it, and it kind of just got me thinking about things like, you know, we kind of put out like our weird energy and, you know, hate and frustration into certain things, and it's kind of of wasted effort, and I I wonder whether there's actually a a deeper message in this movie, which is kind of somehow sort of embedded into me a little bit, but I haven't quite worked out what it is.
1: Yeah, I think you're right on all counts, and... I also spend a lot of time putting negative energy into things that I probably don't need to. And I think the, you, you spoke about the memorable part, and I think because it's quite unique in its approach, that in itself is going to make this memorable and stick with you compared to many other more uh, run-of-the-mill, if you like, type, comedy-type movies. Um, the It seems to be in line with the the, the writer-director Ono Tuchel's style. He hasn't done too much sort of mainstream stuff. A lot of his stuff is sort of off the beaten track and sort of, you know, I like that every now and then, sort of mingled in with more sort of regular Hollywood-type stuff. And I think the message that's there for this one is is definitely, as you've put it around, you know, is it really worth it in the end? Look where it's going to get you. I really liked what it was trying to do, this movie how it had you know at at the start sandra O is is really successful and seems to be doing well whereas Anne hash is down on her luck and things aren't working out for her and then they have the first fight two years later and that's the jumps you know the jumps that they have in this movie and everything's reversed and sandra O is very good in this movie i think she's particularly convincing but there's something there's something about it that just didn't work for me as well and i think it's how you said it's it's a comedy but like i was laughing at some of the the peter griffin chicken fights because some of that was over the top and they even had like over the top sound effects for the punches that sounded way too cliche but it was so brutal that i couldn't laugh like i was like well you know people are getting hurt and you know i kind of want that to stop because it's not nice and you know it's it goes pretty far but those messages, you're right. It's it's stuck with me, almost to the point where, you know, how you and I talk about movies when your parents come over, almost to the point where I could almost go rewatch, which is a crazy thing to say.
0: It's interesting because I think my biggest struggle with this movie is I just didn't like Sandra O's character or and Hayes's character. Like, you know, they were both kind of assholes in the context oh, yeah. of who they were as characters, and it's and it's because you know we. We know that obviously, you know, actresses playing roles and and that's not really their their persona. But I think I just, I struggled to connect with the characters. And then when they did have those fight scenes, like you said, they were so over the top. And it was almost like intentional, um, loud punch scenes that just made it kind of seem so ridiculous. And I think because I didn't really resonate with either character, Apart from the fact they kind of keep swapping roles and and where they were kind of at in life, I just found it hard to kind of care about the outcome. And but by the time we kind of got to the the third time that this was happening, it was kind of just like, oh, God, like, I just, I just don't know. And I think it wasn't even just those characters when i think about the wider cast like all of these characters were kind of superficial but it makes me wonder even as i'm saying this is that kind of part of the message of this film as well like i i imagine that this was a lot of fun to make this movie for everyone involved that they probably had so many laughs and so much good times but it's definitely a quirky one that's for sure
1: yeah like when Sandra O's character, and you're right, she was despicable. A lot of them were. When her character was seemingly, from the outside looking in, the most successful, the most doing well, the you know has all the clothes and whatever, her her true happiness reflected compared to when she was you know when she was living in the forest with the crazy auntie who was talking to the to the tentacles or whatever she seemed somewhat more grounded and happier and you know the whole the whole situation with her son gives you a, a real perspective on what's truly important at any particular time and uh, yeah it's you talk about bad cat. i mean alicia alicia silverstone's character when she was unwrapping those presents and things she was saying to the people that are given her the presents it's just like this is the thing that you know you, you sort of you think as a person but you would never say out loud you just say oh thank you so much that's wonderful and then you just put it on eBay the next day. It's um, it's um, She was despicable. Um, But I enjoyed her performance. And it's funny because I was just looking through her back catalogue and I've actually only seen her in uh, Batman and Robin and, of course, doing one of the voices in He-Man. So, yeah, I haven't seen much of
0: her at all. I thought she was good. Wait, are you telling me, Ball, you've never seen Clueless? I'm one telling you. the greatest you, movies
1: ever made. I'm telling you, I that was one even just looking at the poster now being at uni in the late in the mid 90s i would have looked at and said no that's probably not for me and i've never gone back
0: It's classic i tell you it's honestly obviously seen that movie a lot way too much it's good. questions should be asked why I've seen it so much it, it
1: came out in the same year as Apollo 13 and you've never seen that movie, I've got questions
0: done <laughs> something clearly went went wild in my life, like I would have been wild I would have just been oh, it's weird, I was probably 15, 16 when that movie came out, so quirky
1: oh yeah, that's right, I always, I always
0: forget are so much
1: younger than me, I was like what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So uh, I guess the big question, Paul, is what is your rating for this movie?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one, eh? And I feel like I'm repeating myself with uh, a recent review of Nightmare Alley, where I come in with a low rating, but at the same time I sort of say I would like people to go and give it a go themselves because it gets low ratings across the board on IMDb, most reviews that I've sort of looked at. I give this a gun and a half, but I, st- I say go look at it
0: interesting interesting i'm also going to come at it with a gun and a half and samara said to me the other day she's like i'm so confused about the guns like how many how many guns are there <laughs> just to be clear there's four guns guns akimbo like you need to go back to that that original movie you can have up to four guns in your hands with the guns combo method so it's out of four so one and a half for me one and a half for paul that's the uh, movie of the week
1: that's great uh dan on that note um of everything you've you've brought to the table this week what's been your pick of the week
0: book of the week for me would definitely have to be the latest season of top boy absolutely loved it it instantly drew me back into that universe it's as i say it's sparking uh, a complete rewatch of all seasons um it's just so good nice how about you uh
1: for me and i've enjoyed so much of what i've watched this week so much so it's tough but i still think if i had to sit down and watch all again i'd probably go with shetland again i just there's something about it it's just it's just it's a comfy it's a comfy thing to sit in and just enjoy and soak up and it's just there's something about even the theme it's a perfect sunday night tv show there's a real um there's a real good rewatch value there as well so yeah it would be shetland for for me so that's our watches this week if anyone is listening who may have joined us recently it's great to have you join us um so far dan and i have reviewed actually over 600 movies and tv shows on our podcast so far which seems incredible doesn't it but um the 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 facts are there on our websites um, on our database. So if you're interested in listening to a review of a particular movie or TV show, you can find out what we've already reviewed and what podcast the review is in. So you can go listen to it at halfmeasurespodcast.com slash reviews.
0: That is amazing, Paul. If you had said to me how many movies have we reviewed, I probably would have said 50. <laughs> and, you know, we've done 111 episodes, so it doesn't even make sense. So
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: time flies when you're having fun.
1: Well over 600. So um – um there we go. Right now, though, it's time to head to the news desk where, Dan, you've got the latest headlines for us.
0: All right. Just a, a couple of things on the news desk today. So it looks like uh, a Sherlock Holmes TV universe from Robert Downey Jr. is in the works over at HBO. So Robert Downey Jr. is reportedly returning to the world of Sherlock Holmes, where he's working on a pair of spin-off shows. It's not quite clear whether he's going to reprise his role yet as uh, Sherlock Holmes. But very interesting. I remember quite enjoying those movies. I do wonder whether we're a bit fatigued with the whole sort of Sherlock Holmes. Series. I know it's a good universe, and I know that you're pulling a face at me that's disapproving. But I just wonder, is, is it more of the Robert Downey Jr. Holmes that we're looking for? It's the big question. It's a
1: good question, Dan. It's a sort of question I asked around the time I heard that Fast Nine was being produced and I was like, do we need any more of this? It's no, but I really enjoyed the Sherlock Holmes uh Robert Downey Jr. movies. Uh they're very different experiences to a lot of other Sherlocks and I, for one, applaud this move and I welcome it. No fatigue.
0: No fatigue. All right. Interesting all right next bit of news but a star trek news for you paul um hopefully i'm not spoiling anything here for you but star trek picard has added six familiar faces to its season three lineup in honor of first contact day star trek's unofficial holiday so paramount has announced that star trek the next generation lavar burton michael dawn jonathan Frakes, gates mcfadden marina surtis and brett spiner will be joining the cast of star trek picard season three along with patrick stewart what do you think about this paul
1: It's basically the biggest news I was bringing in this week. I I did post it in the Discord and I didn't want to mention those names for anyone who didn't want to know, um, but it's kind of, it's out there and it's really hard to avoid. If you're a Next Generation fan, this is the original crew all coming together. This is, if I'm honest, because I'm such a fanboy, this is what I wanted from the moment Patrick Stewart announced he was returning to Picard and this is the final season. And the trailer, the trailer for this, it's only a small little teaser, but I would put it up there as one of the, the, the greatest TV trailer teaser trailers of, of all time because I never expected even though I wanted it I never expected them to get the gang back together ever
0: I love that I love that for you
1: guys you guys wow <laughs> I see that look then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Good. Uh, Next bit of news. So Jason Momoa to star in an Apple series about war and colonization in Hawaii. So it looks like Jason Momoa is set to write, star in, and executive produce a series called Chief of War, a new limited series for Apple TV that will delve into the history of Hawaii.
1: Very exciting. I'm interested. I'd be interested in that. Yeah, for sure. That's really piqued my interest.
0: As you know, I love Jason Momoa in uh, Apple TV's C. So if it's, I imagine this might be a little bit more sort of historical and mm. maybe a little bit more sort of, uh, I'm thinking maybe Vikings type vibe, but I think this should be really interesting. I'm I'm intrigued. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has broken a world record with its use of prosthetics. What I think is, uh, it's fascinating. So if you're a guardians of the galaxy fan so the third and final movie is coming soon and there is no shortage of aliens creatures and special effects in those movies and like what a fascinating world record to break
1: that is fascinating i saw a video a reel of um what's his name the ex-wrestler guy from the bond movie
0: oh oh, Batista.
1: yeah yeah i I saw uh, like one of those hyperlapse videos of him getting into the makeup and it's incredible it really is
0: yeah, so many hours of sort of getting ready, isn't there, before you even start start your job. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, fans of The Witcher, you'll be pleased to know that Season 3 has begun production, which is awesome. And a little bit of Will Smith news, he's resigned from the Motion Picture Academy amid the, the fallout from the Chris Rock incident um, a couple of weeks ago at the Oscars. Also sort of interesting to note that a number of Will Smith projects are actually on hold. So mm. movies like Bad Boys 4. What's going to happen to it, Paul? You can't have bad boys without Walsmith. You know, like I know that there's been an incident, but bad boys for? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when they come for you? You know? That, Paul, is me. Anything on your end at the news desk?
1: Uh, No, you covered off a couple of them. I think the only other thing I've seen this week that, you know, talk about the Picard trailer getting me, and as as the kids say, all the feels. Another one is the final trailer for Maverick. Yes. Which which played this week, and I, it's you know it's coming out next month, and I I feel like there's a Top Gun rewatch coming for that for sure, and I know, I remember reading about because of course this was delayed because of COVID. I remember reading that Tom Cruise's condition was like he doesn't want any CGI, It all has to be real, and so when you see him in the cockpit of the plane and some of the things that are happening, it's quite extraordinary. But yeah, they, they just have a really beautiful, subtle piano playing the the theme tune very very subtly and it's it's well done it's really well done
0: I agree with you I I actually didn't finish watching the trailer because I was so in love with it I was just like this is I don't need to see anymore this is so good and Top Gun is one of those movies that I've watched numerous times over the years and it's just aged so beautifully and I think it is because of their commitment to to live effects and this movie looks like it's going to be great as long as the the story kind of holds up but I mm. the nods that I already saw in the trailer. Iceman, fantastic.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's exciting. That is exciting. And, of course, yeah, Tom Tom Cruise looks great in this trailer. I mean, he just looks like Top Gun was only a few years. It doesn't look like it was 42 – was it? No, not forty. That's not quite right. 38 years ago. That's incredible.
0: I just love in the trailer too that he's just, like, busting out all the original – he's busting out his original motorcycle and he's, like – he's still Maverick Paul.
1: Oh, of course he is. I mean, can't wait. And – yeah. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's, that was all I had, um, Dan, other than the things you covered off. Um, all that's left for me, therefore, is to read out a couple of things from our mailbag this week, uh, of which a real highlight was, um, one of our favorite authors, Christy Golden, who's written some of our favorite, um, Star Wars canon novels. Um, She shared our Inferno Squad review that you brought to the pod last week, Dan. So that was cool because, you know, we enjoy what she wrote. It's nice to see she felt the same way about what we had to say as well.
0: I love that. I love that we're reaching out to the the writing community as well.
1: Correct. Um, Last week, you know, we were talking about Mission Impossible 2 and I was expressing my dislike for John Woo's direction of that movie. Norman from Roddenberry com he he commented that it gets a bad rap because of john Woo's style and because it's so polarizing because it's so signature and i guess that wasn't the word i used, but i think he's right i think polarizing is a good word to use you know if you if you like john Woo's style you probably are gonna really like that movie as well so i thought that was a a, a really good observation thank you norman uh what else are we got? oh dan your review of creed 2 last week uh, that led paddy from doctor who podcast time traveling team to an interesting discovery um he discovered that sylvester stallone did a director's cut of rocky four um and so he decided well i'm gonna watch it so he watched it and he said that other than one change at the end he thought it was better than the original cut so yeah so if anyone's ever thinking of doing a full rocky rewatch, um maybe Maybe look up that version um if, if you're if you if you're gonna go there. So that was pretty cool. Uh and so thanks Patty for that. And yeah, finally last week's peak performance. Gillian Anderson had uh, a few responses in on this one. Ron Kenjington went with uh Dana Scully. We had Michael from North Carolina, also had Scully, also had Jean Milburn uh, from Sex Education and Bedelia from Hannibal. So some great choices there. Um, Hannah Hill from Norway. She said, without doubt, it's Lady Deadlock in Bleak House. That is not one I've seen, but I have heard of. Um, so Bleak House. Uh, Ryan from Oakland also went X Files and then Paddy gave us his 321. He went with um, Princess... Maranoke from 1997, another one I've not seen. The full and then peak performance of Dana Scully. Um, Quick note on Doctor Who podcast time-traveling team. This week, so that'll be uh, the, the next week, if you're listening to this when it comes out on Friday, their podcast is reviewing... Uh, genesis of the dialects which is the first on-screen appearance of the character davros it's one of the first doctor who episodes i can ever remember seeing and i wish i had the time to sit down and watch that story because it is an amazing story so i'm looking forward to their podcast review of genesis of the dialects that's the mailbag dan
0: very very good should we jump on over to our peak performance for this week
1: yeah so just like maybe of the week dan and i take it in turns each week we pick someone from the movie TV arena and say what's the best thing they have done. This week, Dan, we went with Willem, Willem Defoe.
0: Indeed we did. This was a, Willem's got a, incredible backlog of movies and we'd we'd say this about a number of our our epic performances but he truly does and it it was quite difficult sort of choosing uh two movies here but I sort of I've I've gone with my gut so for my first honorable mention I'm actually going to go with Willem Dafoe's um portrayal as Norman Osborn aka the Green Goblin in the Spider-Man movies and I think you know he's just I think he plays such a fantastic uh, villain and kind of friend to Peter Parker, and then back to villain, and it was so good to see him in the the latest Spider Man movie, No Way Home, and for him to sort of reprise that character that he started playing in the in the nineties was mm. um, so so good. And I think he just he brings such a intensity to all of his performances, and I, I think it really stands out. But for my peak performance, I'm actually going to go with the 2000 movie American Psycho and Willem's role in American Psycho is he actually plays Detective uh, Donald Kimball and there's a fantastic scene um, where he's interviewing Patrick Bateman, and something interesting that you may or may not know about that scene is when he's interviewing him, the director actually had him film the scene three times. So once where he's kind of oblivious to Patrick Bateman being a serial killer, one where he's kind of suspicious, and one where he knows. And then the director kind of cut all of those together so that as an audience member watching it, you never really, you know, know what is sort of like what his thinking is behind it. I think it's just so brilliant, and I think it it's. It's so well portrayed by Willem Dafoe. And to sort of, you know, this is a cult classic movie where Christian Bale was without a doubt the star, but for, you know, Willem Dafoe's performance has always sort of stood out for me in this movie. So for me, Spider-Man, let's say Spider-Man No Way Home and American Psycho. How about you, Paul?
1: That's great, Dan. And just hearing you talk about American Psycho just brings out memories. That is an extraordinary movie with many extraordinary performances. Uh, we often say when we've got a uh you know someone who's got such a great back catalog often will have different movies that we bring to the table and that's the case here i've got two completely different mentions than you which is which is always great i think for me my honorable mention is a movie that i have not seen in possibly 30 years um he stars alongside danny glover david schwimmer ving rames tom sizemore it's 1991's flight of the intruder and I just, I believe, yeah, that this was the f- the first I'd ever seen of William Defoe uh, in this, um, you know, this the air the air war over Vietnam. It's, it's. It, I mean, it's been so long. I don't even feel qualified to talk about the specifics of his performance. Which, you know, I guess I'm allowed to get away with, as it's quite literally a half measure but he plays lieutenant commander virgil cole and he's he's just really memorable from the point of view that he's a really seedy looking mustache uh really i remember him full cam full camouflage face paint and all and just being really convincing as this classic navy potty mouth role and i when i was looking at it earlier i did a rewatch of the trailer i'm not sure if the movie's aged that well but somehow that adds to the appeal of it to be honest um so yeah flood of the intruder would be my um my honorable mention just from just from sheer enjoyment and memories of watching it back in the day but my peak performance then i cannot go past 2019's the lighthouse i just this movie always sticks with me because i remember you chose it as a movie of the week and i remember you texting me before i even watched it with some sort of apologies that saying i don't know what i've done here and so I went into thinking, oh, what's going on? But honestly, I think this film is superb. And it feels like this is where I would use the word film rather than movie. It's a real deep, um, it's a real, uh, what's the word? It's a bit, I say it's sort of, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here, but it's, there's something really method in the performance that he gives. It's, he's really scary. He's, he's hilarious. He's hilarious yeah he's, he's he's a bit crazy and i honestly think it's the most extraordinary performance he has ever given and i 100% recommend that movie especially if you're going to watch it in the middle of winter on a stormy night under a blanket with a hot cuppa it's uh it's a really different experience and of course with robert pattinson alongside it's um it's a strong it's a strong shout for for me and so it made my peak performance
0: good chap paul i really enjoyed
1: it it was a good time
0: well, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Mishes Podcast. It
1: does indeed. Thanks for listening in this week. Do get in touch. Let us know your peak performance for William Defoe. Uh, I'm positive there's going to be some big fans of Platoon out there. Um, or if you've got a movie or TV show to suggest to us or a comment about anything we've talked about this week, let us know on our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or come along and join our Discord community.
0: Also, a uh, very special shout out to our Patreon producers: Samara King, Trisha Brady, Dinah Kanawa, and Linda Devna. We couldn't do it without you. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.